this past year, um, the Lord has been uh, working upon my heart and, and laying a a burden on my heart and my family's heart for the location of Stone Mountain and Clarkston area. Now, as you guys can remember, last year um, in August, we went and we had a, a, a fantastic solemn assembly up at Stone Mountain. How many were there here for that? It was a phenomenal time. It was like 20,000 people, over 20,000 people, and the Lord was uh, uh, just moving in that place. There was many congregations and many churches that were there with us, and it was during that time, as we were doing our fasting and praying leading up to that time, the Lord started burning my heart, um, and particularly for that region, for Stone Mountain region. And I knew it was the Lord because I had never been drawn to that area. In fact, Stone Mountain area is just not any place I've been drawn to out of the 15 or 16 years now that we've been here in the Georgia area. But the Lord started putting my a burden um, for an expression of what we're doing here, there. And over the course of this last year, um, through a lot of prayer and talking with uh, our pastoral leadership team and, and others and just seeking the Lord, the Lord has made it clear that we are to have an outpost and we're to have a ministry there in Stone Mountain. And so beginning January 2020, my wife and I and a few others are going to be launching a church ministry and an outreach ministry there in Stone Mountain in Clarkston area. And... Uh, for a number of reasons, one of the reasons I believe is, is this, the Lord has a, there's a promise for that area. And there's uh, been prophetic words have been given for the Stone Mountain area. And those prophetic words are that that stone wouldn't just be the pride of Atlanta, but that the, the, the outpouring and the manifestation of God would be in that area. And it's been pro prophetically proclaimed that that's what's going to be happening. And uh, that many people will be getting saved. There will be uh, just outpourings of the Lord in that region. There will be unity, church unity, all sorts of great things. Many of the things we are getting to express up here in, uh, in, in Lawrenceville. And we believe, I, I believe the Lord has, is that promise is going to come to pass. And I believe that part of this, of us transitioning into starting that ministry there in Stone Mountain, uh, is to contend for those promises, to see them come to pass. That God has an inheritance in that region. And he wants to do some great things in that region. And we want to be a part of it. And so, again, beginning January, we have the next few months. I'm announcing that now, just so you know what I'm saying. I'm actually announcing we're going to be transitioning over the next few months um, and launching a ministry. And I call it an outpost of this house because it's a part of this house. And it's, it's going to carry a lot of the same DNA. Um, obviously, prayer. We believe that prayer must go up in that, in that region. We want to see prayer and worship go up in that, in that area of Stone Mountain and Clarkston. Um, as well as the Acts 2 lifestyle, the pursuit of the Acts 2 lifestyle that we all are going after, which we know is this, you know, it's, it, um, in the beginning of that chapter, it's revival being poured out. It's the, it's the signs and wonders, and, you know, in, in Acts 2, is 3,000 get saved after an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We're contending for that, like we're contending for that here. We're we want to contend for that there, as well as the Acts 2 church description, Amen, of unity and love and signs and wonders happening and, and just an outworking of the expression of God. But also as well, I feel the Lord saying that this is also to be a place where the Isaiah 58 fasted lifestyle would be expressed. And what I mean by that is this, in Isaiah 58, the Lord uh, gives some clarity of why he wants us to be praying and fasting. One of the main purposes of being praying and fasting. And we're, we're a, a prayer and fasting people. That's what we do. And the Lord addresses those people, those who are contending for meeting daily to, to, to meet with him, and they're fasting. And, uh, and he corrects some of the things that they were doing, and he says, the purpose of your fasting and prayers, uh, one of the main purpose is that you would become more and more like me, and that you would manifest who I am, my character and my essence and my image uh, uh, to the world around you, to those who are hungry, to those who are broken, to those who are thirsty. And he, he lays out, he says, this is, the fasted, this is the fasted lifestyle that I've chosen. He says to release those who are on burdens, to, to break off the yokes of those who are uh, heavy laden. He says to give the, the hungry, give them your bread. He says to clothe those who are naked and, and to bring into your home those who are outcasts. And he says, he says, this is what I've chosen, that you would be like me, because that's what Jesus has done for us. Amen. We've all been broken. We've all been hungry. We've all been the outcasts. And what has Jesus done? He's come and expressed who the Father is and made the way to the Father, to us, so we can now have a family. We can now have provisions enough through the kingdom of God that we can now be made whole once again. 
And so part of what we want, what, um, uh, the description of what we are to launch in Stone Mountain is to be an Isaiah 58 family. And living the fasted lifestyle, fasting and praying like we do, uh, food and, and that, that sort of thing, but also expressing that to the broken that are out there in the Stone Mountain and Clarkston area. And so we are very, very excited about this. We're going to be naming it uh, Refuge City, a place of refuge for people to come to and find refuge in Christ. And um, it's, it's quite interesting, um, as I, this name actually came to me a few days ago, and I was with my daughter in the car, and I was saying, Lord, we need a name. Lord, if you're not going to birth something, you've got to give it a name. Like, you can't just call it, you know, just whatever. You have to call it, there has to be a name. And uh, he talked, just, I just heard the words, Refuge City, and I'm like, oh, that's it. And so I tell my, my daughter, I'm like, hey, it's, it's Refuge City. And she's like, first she's like, no, Dad, no, you know, she's 12. So anything I say is basically no right off the get-go. I have to convince her. And then she's like, no. She's like, it's like I know that because there's refugees there. The Clarkson is a, is a, a refugee uh, where they settle all refugees. I'm like, yes, that's right. It already is a refuge city in so many ways. And the Lord wants to bring spiritual refuge there as well. And, you know, the, that Isaiah 58 calling, it really is about going into the highways and byways. It's really going out and inviting people to the marriage supper of the Lamb. You know, Jesus gave a parable about that supper. He said there's a t time coming, he says, where there is a, 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 a man, which is the father, and he's throwing a big party for his son, which is Jesus. And he says, he tells the servants, go out into the highways, go into the byways, go under the hedges, go find whoever you can and invite them to this marriage supper. He says, because it's going to be a great supper, and I want my house filled. So go out and, 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 and invite them in. Find whoever, who's ever hungry, who's ever thirsty. It's, like, I don't, it's not about um, um, what denomination they're from. It's not about their history, their background, their, their cultural um, um, background. Nothing, none of that matters. What I'm looking for is people who will say yes to the invitation. And that's what he's called us to go out to do because the time is near. And that was part of the parable. The parable was, hey, the, the feast has been made ready. We need to, there's a short amount of time, run out there, get out there, and tell people that there's an invitation for them to enjoy this marriage supper. But the time is short because the, the meat's been cooked, the bread's been done, and we don't want it to get cold and stale because, uh, without, it, without people coming in here. And, and that's what we, I believe, we're, we're in. You know, when we talk about transition, there's those, those transitional moments as they prepared the meals and they prepared the time for the feast. There was the transition of, okay, and now it's ready. Now we have to have people in here. And, and there was that transition to go out and get those people. And as, as there was a, a readiness and a, a time of, of urgency of saying, hey, we must go and gather, I believe we're in that urgency today. That there is the, the day of the Lord and the return of Jesus is near. And there is an urgency of doing what we must be doing and being obedient to the Lord uh, because there are things coming on the planet um, that we must be ready for, especially as the people of God. We are the voice um, in the earth of what God is doing. We're to be the voice. That's what, that's what our calling is. And you know, the day of the Lord and the return of Jesus is not something we tend to talk about in many circles. You know, the, the judgments of God, the return of the Lord, the cleansing of the earth, and the heavens and the earth becoming one, Jesus ruling and reigning on the earth as King of kings and Lord of lords, and the entire earth coming under his leadership. It's not what we talk about in many circles, yet it is what the scriptures mostly talk about. From Genesis to Revelation, that's mostly what it's talking about, is about those, those things and how God is going to restore all things. And it's also, I believe, the, the, one of the biggest things on God's heart. It's one of the most important and crucial, it's what's on his mind the most, of giving his son an inheritance in this earth. And it's on, it's on his heart, and that inheritance is us, his saints. As the scripture tells us that it's, all of his delight is in us, his saints. And he has many more that he wants to bring in. And that's, what, that's, our, that's our call to do. And, you know, and I'll say this, just speaking about the day of the Lord and the, the, return, of, the return of the Lord, we have to be ready. And we have to be ready, and we have to know what seasons we're in so we know what we should be doing in, in our preparation. You know, you know, as preachers and teachers, if we're not preparing people for the day of the Lord, then my question is, then what are we doing? What are we doing? 
I mean, because that is, that is what's on the Lord's heart. He's like, I'm, I'm working in the earth through, from, from Genesis 1, from in the beginning. He said, I had that lamb already ordained. I already had the, the slain lamb was already ordained. He said, I have a timeline that I am doing in the earth. And he says, I want my people to know the season that they're in. And it's important that we know the season that we're in. You know, people will say that since we don't know the day or the hour of the Lord's return, there's nothing we can really do to prepare for it. And I'll just say this, that's foolishness. That is just, not, that's just foolishness. First of all, the scripture does not say that whatsoever. And then second of all, even in nature, that, it doesn't teach us that. You know, when a woman is, about to have, is going to have a natural childbirth, they do not know the day or the hour that that baby is coming. Now, they could try to pinpoint that, right? And we all do that. The due date's this date. But if you've been pregnant and have kids before, you, that never, you never had the baby on that due date. It just doesn't happen. I mean, very rarely. We've had eight kids. And, like, it never happens. You know? But, 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 but because we don't know the day or the hour, it doesn't mean that we don't prepare. We prepare for that baby. We prepare because we know it's going to happen. And that's how we as people of God should be. We know it's going to happen. We don't, may not know the day or the hour, but there is a preparation that must take place. And there's transitions that happen when you know, oh, my, it's about to happen. We need to, we need to get into that. You know, um, uh, when you've had a baby, I'll tell, speak to all the moms in here. Now, I'm, gonna, I'm going to educate you men a little bit if, if you don't know about this. But there is a certain point um, when the, the woman has been having labor pains and those Braxton Hicks have been happening, they know, oh, it's getting close. But then there's this moment, and it's called the moment of transition. And that moment of transition is no longer, oh, that baby, like I have the Braxton Hicks, it's about to come. That baby is coming. And that's what that woman knows, the mother knows, there's no stopping now. It's coming, whether we like it or not. And we're about to have that type of transition with the day of the Lord. I want to just declare that. That day is coming. It's going to come just like that. We are in birth pangs in the, in the earth today. There's things that are happening. But there's coming a moment where all of a sudden the earth is going to be crying out. And it's no longer just going to be birth pains. It's going to be transition. And when that transition hits, you have to be ready. Because that baby's coming. Because the day of the Lord is coming. You know, God's going to make true, and he's, gonna make, he's going to fulfill all of his promises. All of his promises are true. And everything he tells us in Scripture is true. He's going to make good on all of that. Hold on a second. I'm going to try to open this with the other hand. <laughs> this is the good thing when you don't have the, this is why it's good to have the headset sometimes. Amen. <clears throat> but God's going to make good on all of his promises. We can't bank on that. Everything he says, his return, the day of the Lord, it's going to come, and there's transitions and things that are happening in preparation for that. And we know it's going to come because even the little things, all the little promises in our lives, right? When, when we call out to the Lord for help, God, I'm in distress, I need help, and he answers us, that's a fulfillment of his promise. He says, those who cry out to me, I will answer. And that's a fulfillment, it's a token of saying, for us to, to grab hold of him and say, Lord, you're faithful in the small things, you're going to be faithful in the big things. That even though we can't see it, it seems like an impossibility. We don't know the day or the hour. We don't even know sometimes what the transitions we are in. We just know that what you said is going to come to pass. So we're going to be faithful to do what your word says. And these little promises are a testimony of, of God going to make good on the bigger promises. And those bigger promises are not just for, for our, own, our own selves. It's for the whole region of Atlanta. But it's even more than that. It's for all of Israel. Because all of Israel will be saved. I don't know how it's going to happen, but he says it's going to happen. And I know that he's been faithful to me in other things. He's going to be faithful to that big thing. And then he's going to be faithful to bring uh, uh, restoration in the whole earth. That he's going to do it. And we must, be, we, must, we must have our faith in that, that he is going to do those things. And as I said, there are transitions that will take us, that will be taking place in the world where overnight things will shift. And those days, those times will be here. You know, the, uh, the children of Israel, they went through a lot of transitions as well. You know, they went from being a, 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 not a people, not a nation, but slaves. And then the Lord delivers them and they go through the Red Sea and now they're become a, a new nation, a holy people to the Lord. And then they wander in the wilderness for a time. And when that time was done, there was another transition to take place. And they had to cross over another body of water. But this time it wasn't the Red Sea, it was the Jordan River. And then that crossing of the Jordan River, that transition was, they were going to go and inherit and possess the promises of God. And those promises were given 600 years earlier to Abraham. 
that, that, that his, his people and that out of him would come a nation and they would inherit the land. And here they are, 600 years of delay of that promise not being there, but they're, in there, they're at the brink of that promise. And God gives them some instructions. And that's what I want to look at today are those instructions. So I want you to turn to Joshua chapter 1 with me. And as they're at that brink, you know, we've, I want to say this, we've been through, uh, a, if you've been a part of this family for any amount of time over the last two or three years, you've noticed that we've been through a lot of transitions. We've gone through from having, over the last three years, having three spiritual families merged together as one and becoming one family. We've, we've gone and, and we've literally poked the eye of uh, the principalities of racism and religion through the one race mo movement. And there's been just transitions that have been happening. And we've become this beautiful spiritual family. And it's, it's an amazing thing, but the Lord is now saying, I believe this, I want to declare it to us as a family. We are about to go into another transition. And that transition, we need to be prepared for, for that transition and what it's going to take to inherit what the Lord has for us. And so before the Israelites transition to possessing and inheriting the promise, the Lord instructs them in what it will take to possess the land, how they're to possess the land, and what they must do to remain successful. And so looking at Joshua chapter 1, we're going to read verse 6 to verse 9. This is what it takes to possess the land, to possess the promise. The Lord's speaking to Joshua. He says, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Entitling today's message, Crossing the Jordan. And us, we're in a season, I believe, of, of that transitional time of crossing the Jordan. And what the Lord had to say to Jeremiah, he says to us. And he says this to Jeremiah, I'm sorry, to, not Jeremiah, to, to Joshua. But he says the same thing to us. And he had to say it three times to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. Be very strong and be very courageous. Have I not commanded you be strong and courageous? Even at the end of this chapter, the people tell Joshua, they say, we will follow you. We're going we're gonna to go into the promised land and we're going to receive all the promises the Lord has, has declared for us. But they say, but please be strong and courageous. And God, what God is telling them, he's, he's highlighting what it's going to take to possess the promise. Because the promise isn't just going to be handed over. It's not going to just be given directly to, to them, but they're going to have to fight for it. Because that promise, the promise what they were to inherit was in the enemy's hands. It was in other people's hands that were not to be there. And the Lord is saying this for us, that the promise that he has ahead of us, and the, the, the promises of revival, the promises of, for this region, the promises in our day-to-day -day life or in our own individual lives, he says it's not going to just be handed over to you, but you're going to need to be strong and courageous if you're going to inherit it and if you're going to possess it. And three times he tells them, be strong and courageous. Now, this strength and this courage that he's talking about is not a human strength. That's the thing. Because even later on, I mean, hundreds of years later, um, uh, in the prophet Zechariah hears from the Lord about the building of the second temple. And Zerubbabel was, was to, to build the second temple. And this was a prophetic word, a promise the Lord had given, given through Jeremiah, saying that everything's going to be destroyed, but there's going to be another temple. You're going to rebuild, and my people are going to gather again. And Zerubbabel's right there at the brink, and he's looking at the rubble, and the Lord's, he knows his commission. I'm going, the Lord wants to use me to, make this, to fulfill this promise. And the Lord says to Zerubbabel through Zechariah, he says, it's not going to be by your might, nor by, by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's not your own strength and your own might, but it's going to be by my spirit. And that's what he's telling Joshua. He's saying it's not going to be your own strength. When I say be courageous and strong, it's not you get, uh, uh, work up your own human strength. You muster up um, um, what you can do to make those promises happen. He says, it's not going to be by your own strength or your own ingenuity or your own planning. But the strength that the Lord is commanding him to be strong is, is, the str is being strong in faith. 
Be strong in faith, Joshua. Be strong in what I said was going to happen. It will happen. Do not lose your courage. Do not lose your hope. And we see this because the very first uh, um, um, battle that they have to fight, where is it? It's Jericho. And we all know the story of Jericho. How do they defeat Jericho? Not by Joshua's strength, not by his, his military ability, not by all the soldiers and the resources they have, but God commands them. He says, go around this, these walls, do it for six days and walk silently around them once each day until the seventh day. And then on that seventh day, walk around it six times silently and then blow horns and shout and I'm going to give you the city. You see, what Joshua and the people had to be strong in was not their own strength, but their faith in God. That God said, when he says to do something, that he's going to make good on it. And that they could follow in obedience, even if it didn't make any sense. And I'll tell you this, the ways of God hardly ever make sense. He'll tell us to do certain things or to wait and, and just to be faithful in certain things. We're like, this doesn't make any sense, Lord. And he's saying, be strong, be courageous. Don't lose hope and don't lose your courage. There's, there's going to be, there's going to be uh, uh, opposition and there's going to be what seems to be impossibilities to inherit what God has said in his word that we should inherit as, as, a, as, as the saints and the promises he has for our local body and for you individually and for me individually. It's going to take great strength. See, it'll take, it'll take being full of faith to be faithful. I want to say that again, it'll take full of faith to be faithful, to possess the promises God has promised to us, to possess those things. If, you have, if you're going to remain faithful, you have to have faith in the midst of where it seems like it's impossible. You have the dream, you have the vision, you have what God, God, you spoke this to my heart, but I can't see it anywhere happening. I don't know how this is going to work. He says, it's okay. Just be strong in believing me. Be strong in knowing who I am, that I am who I say I am, and I do what I say I'm going to do. And you will see it come to pass. To possess the promises of God, we will take great strength and courage. The possessing or inheriting the promises will only be realized by doing it God's way. In Psalm 37, there's a, a, a poem that David writes, this psalm. And in this psalm, uh, uh, he tells Five times or six times he actually tells about those who will inherit the land and those who inherit the promise and those who get to stay um, um, in, the, in the land. And as he is telling these um, who gets to stay in that, he's contrasting the evil person with the righteous person in this psalm. And in this psalm, the evil person and the righteous person are not typically how we think about. The evil person is not somebody, somebody that has morally evil intentions, and the righteous person is not somebody who has morally pure intentions necessarily. That's not the description. The description of the evil person is the one who does not trust God and therefore works in his own strength. And the description of the righteous person is the one who trusts God and sees God move and give him a promise. And in, in this Psalm, in Psalm 37, he gives a description of how we are to do it God's way. Because our hands and our doings, when we try to lay hold of things to grab, to grab them and make them come to pass, we end up with Ishmael's. We end up with problems. We end up with the, what God had not designed all of a sudden happening. And God says, no, don't do that. That's evil. What I want you to do is be righteous. I want you to believe me. And so Psalm 37, I want us to read verse 3 to verse 7 because it gives us the, the crux of, of what the righteous person, how they are to inherit the promise. And this is what it says in verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the evil one, over, over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. Hear, the, hear David speaking about those who will inherit the, the, the promises. He says, this is how you have to do it. You have to trust the Lord. You must trust him that he will do it. Do not lose hope. He says, you must just continue doing good, which is just do what you know what you're supposed to do for the day. Just be faithful for the day. Don't, don't get so caught up in tomorrow. Be faithful today and do good for what you're supposed to be doing. 
He tells them, he says, you must dwell in the land. And that is, that is simply this. Do not give up the position God has already given to you. You've made some advancement and you've already gained a little bit of territory. He says, do not give it up. Dwell there. Stay there and do not lose hope. Do not get discouraged and try to run back because things seem too tough now. And maybe you made the wrong choice. But he says, dwell in the land. He says, meditate or feed on God's faithfulness. Feed on my faithfulness. You see, what feeding on his faithfulness does, it allows us to have courage. It gives us courage when we remember who God is, what he has done already in our lives, what he says he's going to do. It builds our courage. It's what David did when he, fought, when, he saw the, when he saw Goliath and he saw the giant. He remembered what God had already given him. You've already given me a bear and you've already given me a lion. Therefore, you will give me this man as well. And when we stand before the impossible giants in our lives and, and the impossible giants of the land, we're going to have to have courage. Because it's not going to be something where you just tiptoe in and they just fall down and just can't hand over things. They're, they're going to be threatening and it's going to look impossible. And the accusations of you're nothing and you're nobody and you can't do it, it's going to be ringing in your ears. And God's saying this, remember my faithfulness. Befriend faithfulness. Don't give up in that moment. He says, delight yourself. And he says, just enjoy me. Just enjoy my presence. He says, and I will give you the desires of your heart. You might not know exactly what they are, but he says, I do. And I will give them to you. I will give you everything that you've ever longed for. And you might not even know what that is, but I will give it to you because I know. He says, commit your way to me. He says, I'll bring it to pass. So don't do it your own way. Just commit it to me. Commit into my timing, commit into my leadership in the way that I want it to come to pass. Commit it all to me, and I shall bring it to pass. He says, rest in me and wait patiently for me. You know, that wait patiently is important because when it says wait patiently, it means that there is this time where there's this absence that we're actually receiving or get to see the, the promise, and it requires patience. When it seems to be delayed, the answer seems to be delayed. The promise is delayed. God, where is the promise? He says, wait patiently because it will come to pass. It may not come to pass on your timeline, but it's going to come to pass on my timeline, and you're going to celebrate me that it was on my timeline and not your timeline when that day comes because you're going to see everything that I've been doing. In a verse later, uh, we didn't actually read this verse, I didn't put it in there, but he says this, he says, cease from anger. This, there's two things he tells us not to do in this psalm. He says, do not be angry, and he says, do not fret or do not worry. He says, it only, it only leads to evil, it only leads to bad things. And what he's saying there is he's saying, don't get frustrated, don't get angry because you can't see how it's all going to work out and it doesn't make sense. Don't get frustrated, don't get angry, and don't start worrying in those moments because when you do, what we tend to do is we try to start taking control of the situation. And we start making decisions that God is not making. And then he says, that's just leading to evil. It's you doing it in your own strength and not trusting me. So he says, don't, don't, don't lose hope. He says, trust me, don't, don't, get, don't get frustrated, don't get angry and bewildered, all those things. He said, just rest in me. He says, you do it my ways. You will inherit the promises that I have for you. It's interesting in this, in this psalm, in Psalm 37, because the word inherit that he uses, and I encourage you to go read that psalm, it's at 40 verses, and in this psalm, he uses six times, he uses the word inherit. And he says, he says uh, those who wait upon him will inherit the land. The meek will inherit the land, which the meek are those who are not working in their own ambition or their own strength. Is those blessed by God, the righteous and the obedient. These are who inherit. But the inheritance is not what we tend to think of as an inheritance. It's not given in the same way. Right? Usually when we think of inheritance, we think of something that's given to us, right? It's handed, passed down to us, and we then get to possess that inheritance. But five of the times that the word inherit uh, is, is used here in this scripture, there's a Hebrew word that does not mean being handed down like we would normally think of it. But this Hebrew word that is translated as inherit, it means this. It means to occupy the land by driving out previous tenants and possessing in their place. Five times he says the, the righteous will inherit, those who wait on the Lord inherit. In other words, he said they're going, to, they're, going to, uh, um, they're going to occupy the land by this, by driving out the previous tenants, they're going to take over, and they're going to occupy in their place. They're going to dwell in their place. And this is how you're to, we are to inherit. 
And the promises of God that he has for us and the transitions that are coming, not only for our house, but for the world, is that in, in, in the earth, the transitions that are coming are going to require us to have faith because God is taking back what the enemy stole from You know, remember that song, I went to the enemy's camp and I... Right. Some of us were there in the 90s. Right? Took back what he stole from me. That's, that's, what, that's what it means to inherit. He said, that's what we're going to be doing. We're actually going to walk into the enemy's camp through the ways of God, doing the ways of God, not in our own strength, in our own ability, and we're going to drive out the, the principalities, rulers of darkness, the, 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 the enemies of the land, and we're going to inherit in their place. But we must be strong and courageous, and we must trust God through the waiting by being obedient to him. Which... This is the way we do prepare ourselves that we may remain in the promises in the day of testing. You see, 1 Corinthians tells us that the scriptures of old, the Old Testament, were written for our admonition. That they, their stories of those times were written to teach us of how to live rightly. And we get to see through the story of Israel, we get to see many things what not to do, and some things what to do. And there's many things of what not to do. And the children of Israel, you see, remember, they go through, they become a people. They go through the Red Sea. They're now in the wilderness. Then they're at this other transition at the Jordan. They're going to, and they go in and they start possessing the land. But once they possessed the land, they were not able to remain in the land because they started to become just like everybody else that was in that land. And as they became like everybody else was in that land, God sent warning after warning after warning. But then finally, he drove them out of the land. And they were completely driven out. And in fact, they were driven out for over 2,000 years until 1948, until they got back the land. But they did not remain in the land. And what the Lord has for us is a place to remain in the land. He says, I want you to learn from them and not do what they did. And then we must see what they did. Because if we're going to obtain the promises, praise the Lord, but we must remain to, to hold those promises for all of eternity. And so in Joshua 1, verse 7, we saw this where he says, uh, he says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for, when, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. He was telling Joshua before they even got into the land, he said, this is how you're going to remain in the land. This is the way to prepare yourself. You must give yourself to knowing me day and night. Give yourself to, the, to, to my ways and knowing them. He says, meditate on them. Know them. Why? So that you will do them. He says, if you do these things, then you will be successful and you will remain in the land. And it will be yours for all of eternity. And this is what he tells us. Jesus says the same thing. As Jesus preaches the Sermon on the Mount, he says exactly the same, the same type of phrasing and the same, same um, uh, words of encouragement or instruction. Jesus gives that whole Sermon on the Mount of the ways of God and how, how God is and who he is and what, what we're to be like in that Sermon on the Mount. And then he capstones it with this. He says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Jesus says this. He says, if you, this house, whatever I'm building, he says, it's got to be on, upon the rock. In other words, he says, he says, those who hear these words, they have to put them into practice because if they don't put them into practice, whatever they build will not stand through the time of testing. It will be demolished in the time of testing. He even says it will be a great fall. Not one stone will be left on another. He says it will be complete like it wasn't even there. And he says, he says what, what the Lord told Joshua. He says, hear my words treasure my words, meditate on, give yourself to my ways and who I am, to the knowledge of God, implementing them in your life. And he says, do those things and you will stand in the time of testing. Where everybody else fell, you will stand. You see why all the, the inhabitants of, of, of Canaan, why they fell? Because they were not founded on the rock. 
And the Israelites ended up being like them. But the Lord's going to restore all that. And he, but he's telling us, I want you to learn from that. When you possess this, this, the promises of God in your life, it's not, yay, it's all said and done, now we get in a hammock. It's that we are now in a, going to go through a time of testing to prove that we are of a different nature. We're not just like everybody else, but we carry the essence of Christ in us. And that time of testing will come because the glory isn't for us, the glory is for God. And see, God has created each and every one of us to reflect him, to be his image bearers in the earth. And that's what he's called us to be. And if we could, we, we must get away from just being, and when I say this, I say this to myself. This is a preaching to myself. I cannot just be content with hearing the words. I can't be just content with having knowledge that puffs me up like I have something. But in the day of testing, it's found out I have nothing because I never implemented them in my life. I just talked about them. The ways of Jesus are the rock by which everything is tested by. When everything that is shaking is shaken, what will remain? When the consuming fire of God's presence comes, what will remain? It's what they say in, in Revelation. It says, the wrath of the Lamb of God is here. Who can stand? Who can stand? There's, the ones that can stand are those who are built on the rock. Those that have taken those promises and then they built themselves upon the rock of Jesus Christ, the character of Christ, the essence of God. You see, for, for, the, for God, the most critical part of building a house is not how it will be designed, but what foundation it's built upon. The most critical thing for, for, for the Lord is not, is, are we building a three-bedroom house, a five-bedroom house? Are we going to have an open floor plan? It's going to be two stories. It's going to be a shack. What is, that's, not his most, that's not the most important thing. And neither should it be for us. But unfortunately, what we tend to do, what I tend to do, and what us as humans tend to do, we focus so much on the design. What are we going to do? What's my calling? And we tend to think our calling is some type of design. If it looks like that, it's supposed to look like this. And Lord's saying, that's not the most critical thing. It's important. It's good. But what's the most critical thing is what are you building upon? Are you building upon my character and my nature? Are you implementing in your life and, and allowing those testings and trials that come into each and every one of our lives? Are you using those to, to learn how to ride those little waves that are coming? Because each of us have testings and trials in our lives. All of us. And the Lord has placed those there so we can learn how to ride those waves. Because there's coming a day, there's a big wave coming, it's a tsunami. And if we don't learn how to ride the waves, we're going to be crushed by it. And this is a time of preparation and a time of preparing ourselves. This is why the, the scriptures tell us, count it all joy when you go through various trials and tribulations. Why? Because the tribulations and the trials are producing perseverance. And that perseverance is producing character. You know what the character is? The character of God. It's producing the character of God in us. And he says that it produces hope. What is the hope? That God would be revealed in the earth and his character be revealed through us. Do you see this is why we count it all joy when we go through trials and tribulations because he says it's your testing because there is a testing that's coming upon the earth and I want my people to be ready. The winds and the floods and the trials, you see, this is the thing. It was the, the testing was against the winds, the, uh, the floods that came, the rain, the winds that beat against the house. Those were the elements God used to show forth what the foundation was built upon. I had a dream years ago where I was um, in this, uh, I was actually out in the forest somewhere, but there's like all this sporting complex and sporting events that were going on. And I was there at that sporting event enjoying myself, and inside I heard the, the voice of the Lord saying, you should not be here. And I kept reasoning with that voice saying, why can't I be here? This is not sinful. This isn't sinful. This is fine. This is a family type of event, just, just sporting competition. And I was arguing with a voice saying, and the voice saying, you should not be here. You should not be here. But because I didn't understand it, to understand why I shouldn't be there, I just said, well, let me just do it my own way. <laughs> Even though I don't, I don't understand what you're saying, so I'm going to do what I think is right, what makes sense to me. And so I was there in that dream, do it, and I, I was having that uh, internal battle as I'm standing there and watching these sporting events go on. And then suddenly I hear this thunder in the distance, and I know immediately that it's the judgments of God that are coming. And I know now I'm supposed to, oh, I need to be in that place where he's telling me, I that's why I shouldn't be here, because the judgments are coming, and I need to be in that place of safety and refuge. And so I run, and I start running through the forest, and I come to this body of water. 
And as I get the body of water, my wife is out on the other side, and she has a little canoe. So she comes over because um, she had been waiting for me, like, come on, like, and now's the time. And so she finally she gets over. We get into the, into the canoe, and we're paddling, and we're, we're rushing because there was not a time to spare. The, the rumblings and the, the thunderings were getting closer. And it was like what, what Lot went through when, he said, when God told him or the angels told him, listen, you got to leave. When, the, when it starts falling down, don't even worry about what you have. Just leave with whatever you got and don't look back. It was that type of urgency. And as we're out in the midst of that water, I come out from behind the trees and stuff, and I, I look out and I see this huge cloud. And it's, it's, it's black, it's dark, and then there's fire, like, like amber. There's this fire inside of it. And it's coming, and it's just like destroying everything that's in its path. It's actually, it's similar to what Ezekiel saw in Ezekiel 1. He saw this huge cloud whirlwind fire and amber in it. That's literally close to what I saw, something like that. And I knew that, that I, if I did not get to the place of refuge where I was supposed to be, that I would be as well consumed in it. It didn't care who was who. It only cared about, it only cared those who were in the refuge place. It would, it would, it would not, it would not touch. And so we're running and we finally, we get over the, the other side and we're starting running up this hill and it's this little shack that we're supposed to get into. And this little shack is that place of refuge. I, I know we're, we, as me and my wife are running, that's where we get and if we get in there, we're safe. But the thing is that because we're, it's last moment, this thing's coming up on us closer and closer. And I finally I see that, that, um, that little shack and I see the door handle and I'm, I'm just feet away from it. And I know, I, I haven't turned back because there's no time to even turn around to look back. But I know this glory cloud is like five feet away from me as well. It's like a, a flick of, 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 a, of a dime. It's either going to be heads or tails. Like it's 50-50. I might make it. I might not make it. And right before I can know if I actually make it, my alarm clock goes off and I wake up. Those are the worst dreams. <laughs> no, <laughs> did I make it? Oh. But this is what the Lord was saying. He was saying it to me personally, and I just want to declare it for us. But he was saying, Gabe, you must take my words seriously. Because when that day comes, you're not going to have time to start building a place of refuge. You're going to have to have a place of refuge, and you need to be in it. Because if you're outside of it, you're going to experience the destruction. That's exactly what the Israelites went through when the, when the Passover lamb came. It didn't matter. It wasn't because I'm a national Israelite so I could stand outside. He said, you be in the place of a refuge. You be in your home with the blood on the door, and then you're safe. He says, if you walk out there, it's a, he says, game's up. It's every man for himself at that point. And the Lord was speaking to me, and he was saying, you must be in the place of preparation, and you must take it seriously. Give yourself to the knowledge of me, and give yourself to implementing my character in your character. Because that day is coming. That day of transition, when it happens, it'll be here suddenly. It'll be a thunder, and it's like, oh, it's here. And he, Jesus says it's going to be like the days of Noah. When the days of Noah came, the, when the, the flood started to come. When the water started to fall upon the earth, the people all of a sudden understood, oh, this was that. And they had no time to make themselves an ark and make themselves a refuge. But the one, the righteous family that did, they spent all of their years in preparation because they believed the word that was coming. Even though it was 120-something years, it was hundreds of years, it was a long time coming, they believed the word. And that's why it's counted to him as righteous, because he believed who God said he was. And church, we must believe who God says he was. We can no longer just see like, oh, it's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not sure. We must look and study the scriptures, and we must, we must implement the character of God in our life. And then whatever we do know, we just got to be faithful to be in, a, in, in doing good and preparing ourselves, whatever that may look like. Because that day is coming. That transition will happen just like when that woman goes through a transition. I want to share one more, one more dream and then, and then we're, going to, we're going to conclude. This dream my, my wife had years ago. And we were in this um, um, sitting area, like we're eating in this outdoor cafe area, whatever, our family. And there was another restaurant that was close by. And it was a bunch of Jews were in there eating. And some radical Muslims come, and they, they go to that building, and they start to kill um, the people that were in there, and these Jews. And um, in the dream, I look at my wife, and I say, we need to go suffer with them. We need to go suffer with the Jews. So we get our family up, and we go, and, and uh, uh, we go into that building, and sure enough, we all get shot. It's not the most encouraging dream right there, but it was a dream. <laughs> but that wasn't the end of it. The, tra the transitions, my wife's now laying on her bed in her dream. And she, is, she begins to say, Jesus, I want to see your glory. I want to see your glory. 
And Jesus appears to her, and he says to her, you're not ready to see my glory. And she says, no, I'm ready. I'm ready to see your glory. Jesus, I want to see your glory. And he says, no, you're not ready, honey, to see my glory. And she continues, Jesus, I want to see your glory. Show me your glory. And so he takes her by the hand, and he takes her off the bed, and they begin to walk down this path. And this path, she described it, it was this, the most terrifying path she had ever, ever seen. It was like going to the, the, the depths of hell, anguish and torment. And she's like, and, and, and when she woke up, we're like, what was all of this, Lord? What does that mean? And the Lord spoke to us. He said, this is what it means. My glory is going to be revealed through the people that can withstand the trials and tribulations that are coming, and they could be just like my son, Jesus. As Jesus went through the, his trial and tribulation, the, the ultimate thing any man could go through on the cross as he's accused falsely, he doesn't open his mouth and, and justify or defend himself, but he trusts the Father. In the same way the Father does with us, he, he, he keeps himself silent for a season, for a time. And even if we accuse God and say, where are you? And all those who blaspheme his name, God doesn't get up and start just, just you know, like, wiping us out, saying, I'm going to prove myself to you. He was reflecting the nature of God. As they are nailing him to the cross and they're putting the spikes in his hands and his feet, he declares, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. And he, he exemplifies the mercy and the kindness of God, even though we're, we're crucifying him at that same moment. Even when he's sitting on the cross and he's laying there hanging on the cross, he's taking care of his mother, saying, John, my beloved friend, take care of my mom. Mom, this is your son. Son, this is your mom. And he's taking care. He's preferring others over himself in his deepest anguish. It's, re, it's the image of Christ. It's the image of God. And God is saying this. He says, my glory is going to be revealed in the earth. You know how it's going to be revealed? It's going to be revealed that there's a times of testings and trials, and when they come, my, my essence, my, my character, and my, my, uh, who I am is going to be revealed through my people. They will go through those floods and they will go through those rains and they will remain standing while everybody else that has, does not have that, 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 that answer will be wiped away. And I want to say this, guys. We are in a transition. I want to declare it for our house. We are in a transition. And this transition now is not that transition, but that transition is coming. And this transition is unto that type of transition. Everything the Lord is doing, he's building upon it. And he's making it happen until this, the greater promise is fulfilled. And we must be the people that have understanding of the seasons that we are in. We must understand that we are having labor pains and there's a time that this baby is coming. That Jesus rebuked his people of his generation because they did not know the season they were in. They could not determine what season they're in. And so because they, could not, they did not determine the season they were in, they did not prepare themselves rightly and they didn't do what they were supposed to be doing. And therefore the Lord says judgments are on you already because of that. But we are not to be that people. God is raising up people that will give themselves, as he told Joshua, give yourself to the knowledge of me. Give yourself to my ways. Day and night, like make it your main priority, the knowledge of me and implement it in your life. Make that your heart's cry. And he says, and you will be successful. And you will shine forth. And my, you will bring glory to the Father. And the world will see the glory of God as the waters cover the sea, so my glory shall cover this earth. Let us stand. Newbridge Church, IHOP Atlanta family, we are in the midst of a new chapter, a transition into possessing and inheriting the promises of God in Atlanta. I don't know what our, this next transition is going to look like fully. I don't know. But I know we're in it. I sense it. I feel it. And we're about to cross the Jordan into new promises from God. But they will not simply be handed over to us. We must be strong and courageous. We must set ourselves to wait and trust the Lord. And we must be diligent to find ourselves not only hearing the words of Jesus, but doing them. Just out of a curiosity, I want to ask, how many in here feel personally you're in a time of transition? You're like on the crust, you're like at the Jordan transition. Just raise your hand. So I'd say at least half of us in here. That's, that's a sign. Lord has you in a personal transition. I'm a, my hand's up, obviously. We're in a personal transition. But these little trends, or these, our personal transitions are unto a bigger transition. And there's a broader storyline that's happening. And that broader storyline, the Lord wants us to get a catch a view of it so we can understand when those times where it seems like it doesn't make sense. I don't know what you're doing. I don't mean, I, know, I sense the transition. I don't even know what it's going to look like. 
And he wants to give us that broader story so we can say, Lord, I'll remain faithful even when I don't understand. And so I want to just take a moment and I want to pray for us as a spiritual family. As I believe we are in that time of crossing the Jordan, inheriting the promises of God. And so just close your eyes with me and just pray along with me. And if that was you, even with your hand up, you actually go ahead and just put that hand up again because I want to pray specifically for you as well. So Father, here we are as your, as your saints, your sons and your daughters, in whom is all your delight. The ones that you're raising up to be a beautiful spotless bride of a much larger bride for your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we ask God that you would give us the grace to be strong in our faith. We would be courageous in our day to day as we lay hold and, 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 and follow your direction and how to possess and inherit these promises that you have for us. God, we know that your promises are good. We know that everything you have is good. We know that you are righteous in all that you do and that you are doing things that are beyond our imagination, beyond what we could possibly think or even ask for. And we just submit that, submit ourselves to that. We submit it to, we submit ourselves to that. We won't define things before they need to be defined, but we'll let you define them as we do it. Knowing that you're faithful, that when we get there, we'll be saying, this was that. This is what he talked, told me about. This was it. It wasn't what I thought exactly, but it, it's it. I know it. This is everything he said. And Father, I ask God that you would put your grace on each and every one of us. All of those who are going through a personal transition even now, Lord, they feel wherever place they're at, on crossing the river, going already across, Lord, that your grace would be upon them. Lord, to do the ways that you do, to trust you, that you're going to bring these things to pass. And so, Father, we submit ourselves to you. We say, under the grace of God and only by the grace of God, but we say yes to it. And we say yes to your grace. And we say yes to your instruction. And we say yes to your story. And we say yes to the glorifying of Jesus Christ. We say yes to his calling. And we say yes to all that you have in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> what a great word, huh? Praise God. Such a great word. So just really quickly, I want to go back to the, the first five minutes that he spoke to make sure we're all zeroed in on what he said. That Gabe, now just so you know, Gabe is not the announcement guy. Gabe is part of our pastoral team. He's an integral part of who we are in leadership. Been a part of the House of Prayer for years. Helped start the Atlanta Dream Center. Served in Mozambique. He and his family for a year. I mean, this guy is a, is, he is the heart of, of who we are as a pastoral leadership team. I want you to understand that's who, who this man is and his family. And what he said to us at the beginning, that, that, that so we're all clear, that he and his wife and family will be starting, I'm just going to use this word, church, but not in the conventional sense, but starting a church in the Stone Mountain area, Clarkson area, at the beginning of the year. Understand that, right? Our family, we're having a baby, let's put this, we're having a baby in, in Stone Mountain, Clarkson area. That's what's happening, all right? So it's a really big deal. And, and so what he just shared with you was not just a message to us, but it's one they are walking out right now. They're in, they're in the midst of that strength and that faith and the courage of following God into this.